You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. We're back, baby. We are back. Welcome to a live edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and we may be back, but that doesn't mean that the Yankees have made any movement on anything of substance at any point, really. And we could honestly... Just we have a lot of topics to cover and we could just sort of thesis statement and, and blanket it and put a big marquee up that's like they don't want to pass the Steve Cohen tax. And that would kind of explain everything, but they don't want to pass the Steve Cohen tax right now. They're pretty close to passing the Steve Cohen tax. And so that means the period on the end of the sentence uh, after the question mark about buzz and about pursuits and about free agents and about left field. They don't want to pass that Steve Cohen tax. But we will talk about uh, the final name who would represent an upgrade of any kind on the free agent market is Jerickson Profar. He's available. The Yankees are interested. The Yankees are talking. Unshockingly, he costs more than the $3 million they have remaining before they pass the Steve Cohen tax. So who are the backup options? It kind of seems like one guy, but it definitely seems like Aaron Hicks, who Brian Cashman again today not only are they stuck with him, but made a comment to the effect of they believe in his potential, and we will surely get into that. Plus, a beloved member of the bullpen probably going to be back for opening day, hopefully, which is insane. Remember when we talked about Zach Britton defecting to the Mets like two weeks ago? Still nothing on that. Weird. The Guardians and the Blue Jays, specifically Vlad Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays, continued to trash talk the Yankees this week, and then Tristan McKenzie had the gall to say that the Guardians live rent-free in the Yankees' heads. I cannot believe the way this phrase works. We need a 35-minute breakdown on rent-free. We just do. You're the one. The, the team that mentions rent-free is almost always the team that is never stopping the discussion of the New York Yankees. It's like, you say something, the Yankees respond, and then you're like, damn, we're living in your head rent-free because you keep talking about us and behaving badly but we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit and the prospect rankings are coming out baseball america's top 100 baseball prospectuses top 101 thanks for the extra one and these publications are showing love to the yankees showing love to anthony volpe disagreeing with mlb.com that he is overrated whoever those executives were and finally one extra yankees prospect who's getting a little extra love hmm teaser we'll see you at minute 50 Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review. 
Drop us a mailbag question. Find us on a podcast platform if you're not here right now on the live stream, which is every Monday and Thursday at 2 o'clock Eastern time, all off-season long. We'll do an emergency pod if it merits it. We've been waiting for a long time. Nothing has merited it. Remember how much fun we had a month ago when Carlos wrote on? I think we all thought that might be the Yankees' last significant expenditure or move of the offseason, but we didn't want to believe it. Now, here we are, January 23rd, less than a month before pitchers and catchers report that's real life. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Uh, summing up the last week and a half of rumors or so, uh, again, it's mostly just like this guy, you know, I don't know, the 48th best free agent still available, but the Yankees don't have the money, so tick-tock. Yeah, I don't know. I'm bored now. Giants are out. MLB offseason. I mean, this MLB offseason, dude, the first big trade goes down and it's a bad trade. The Twins trade Luis Arise to the Marlins for Pablo Lopez. Hmm. What? What? Um, We talked briefly about how, well, let's start off with this quickly. That eliminates Glaber Torres being moved pretty much. Where's he going? Who's who's taking that? I don't know. Um, But you know what it also shows? It shows that a, the Yankees were never truly in on Pablo Lopez, if that was the price. The Marlins somehow got the batting champ, the AL batting champ, back in return for Pablo Lopez, who is, at best, at this point, if you've followed him and looked at his career stats, a number three a number three starter. I think that's fair to say. And that's not a knock on him. Just acquiring a number three starter for a potential all-star second baseman seems a little bit crazy to me. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the Yankees were never paying that price. And now... You're looking at an infield alignment, which we have some good news on, right? Because DJ LeMayu was seen taking some reps at third base uh, late last week at the Yankees uh, minor league complex in Tampa. Glaber Torres was there with him taking reps at second base. So I think it's fair to say that we're looking at an opening day line uh, infield of Anthony Rizzo at first, Glaber Torres at second, Oswald Peraza at short. We'd like to think DJ LeMayu was starting at third. I like to think DJ LeMayu was starting at third. For all you weirdos posting your opening day lineups in January, it's not set in stone. It's just not. The Yankees, you know how they operate. Josh Donaldson's getting paid $29 million this year. It's going to be very hard to see him taking on a bench role. I don't know what's going to happen. I would love DJ LeMay with third. Not, I'm not putting out my lineup now, and I'm not assuming that that's going to be the case. DJ also has to get through the entire offseason unscathed. Remember? Did it yeah. Didn't go, undergo foot surgery, so still rehabbing. We don't know what's going on. We know that he's feeling good. It's good enough to take uh, uh, ground balls. It's good enough to take batting practice, but that's still not game speed. So there's a long way to go. I think that's a good way to kick off the pod. In essence, the trade market is nothing. The Dodgers were the other team to make a big trade, and they dealt a number 15 prospects uh, prospect in Jacob Amaya for Miguel Rojas, who – is a 34-year-old shortstop. I had a very good defensive year last year, but the worst season with his bat. So I don't really count on a trade. Uh, many insiders have talked about this already. The Yankees left fielder is not yet on the roster. Probably going to happen at the trade deadline. We're hoping for Ian Happ. I'm going to hope for Ian Happ all year. Speak that into existence. It'd be nice. But yeah, it's going to be a boring next month until pitchers and catchers report. Um I don't see much going on between then. Remember, the Yankees were supposed to make one big move after Rodon. I don't think you or I believe that. I I didn't. I'm pretty sure you were on the fence, but I didn't. What what was going to go down? What was it was going was it going to be Pablo Lopez? Because that's not a big move in my opinion. Nothing nothing happened, and it wasn't ever going to happen. 
No, I don't think it was completely a lie. I don't think Michael K concocted it out of thin air just to bother Oh, people. no, yeah. That, was... that's, yeah, that, that's the difference. Like, I, I think some members of Yankee Twitter have to get, get over themselves a little bit there and, like, K lied to us. They just effing made it up. No, they didn't. I'm sure somebody in the top of the front office told Michael K, honestly, we're pursuing Brian Reynolds. We want Brian Reynolds. And Michael K was like, ooh, that's bigger than Rodon. And then the price on Brian Reynolds ended up being – pitching the Yankees don't have or two of their three top prospects. And the Yankees were like, no. And I don't think Michael K saw fit to go back on the air with Brian Reynolds still untraded and be like the bigger than Rodon move. You guys guessed it. It was Brian Reynolds, but guess what? <laughs> he cost too much. So that's over. Like he's not going to kill any shot. The Yankees haven't making a deal there, but he also just doesn't. I think people are like, K owes us an explanation. Like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have to get on air and address a random comment from a month and a half ago. That's just not, it's not the way the cycle needs to work. Maybe someday, if you're really good to him, he'll tell you if you pay $250 for a cameo on your wife's <laughs> birthday and you ask also what was the move that was bigger than Rodon, maybe he'll tell you. But uh, it could have been, it could have been the team getting called by Correa's agent about Correa too. It maybe. could have been a number of things, but I don't think any of them were very close to the finish line. And, and at that point, there wasn't much available that was very interesting and now there's even less available that's very interesting and thanks for mentioning pablo lopez because i'm not interested in pablo lopez at all i never have been uh people were mean in my mentions last year when i said he seemed like a an uninteresting addition and gave me <laughs> vasquez vibes which uh a bunch of people were like there's nothing comparable about the two of them except their ethnicity and it did make me question like what the hell? Like, truly, what is going on? But then I, I was like, okay, well, they're, you know, the reason I'm saying that is because he's never pitched in a high pressure situation. It's coming from Miami to New York, like Montreal to New York. Uh, much talked about ace potential, but never ace reality. And you look at uh, Pablo Lopez's numbers, his worst ERA in a given month over the course of his career is September, October, 5.17 ERA in those months. His worst. By far, that's the end of the year when the games are imbued with more importance. They aren't necessarily more important than April, but they stand out more because they're right ahead of the playoffs. And most importantly, it's the time of the year when if you're healthy, you pitch. You stand up to the rigors of the regular season and you either perform well in September and October or you're at the very least available down the stretch run. Pablo Lopez, the numbers indicate he breaks down. Over time, the numbers indicate he also doesn't start that often in September and October. Only 17 career starts over four seasons in those months. And his home and road splits are dangerous. I don't have to tell you folks what happens when uh, the Yankees go out and acquire someone who pitches way better at home than on the road. That person's name is Frankie Montas. He was incredible in Oakland with all that foul territory. Less than credible everywhere else and especially in the Bronx and Pablo Lopez at home in Miami in front of 2000 person crowds. And I'm being generous 3.45 ERA on the road, 4.54. That is terrible. That is not somebody we need to overpay Glaber Torres for and make the Yankees lineup, which is already sort of underwhelming at times for a contender, at least. I don't know if you recall last year, <laughs> they didn't hit much in the second half of the season. A lot of that was Glaber Torres hitting a generational wall after maybe being told that he was going to get traded for Pablo Lopez. But whatever the cause, the Yankees aren't really in a position to throw away offense here, and they're certainly not in a position to do it for a number three or four starter who does not pitch well on the road and does not pitch well in September. Um, I would have preferred Luisa Rice 
If we're yeah. talking about halves of this trade who I want on my team, I would have preferred batting champion Luis Arise. But beggars can't be choosers. And if it would have, I mean, I don't think the Twins would have taken Glaber for Luis Arise. But anything the Yankees can do to supplement the lineup, the better. Don't take key pieces away from it just because you're probably not going to extend Glaber Torres after 2024. I'm trying to win now. I don't think Glaber Torres is a superstar. Sometimes those MLB.com projections come up on Twitter and taunt me from the past where it's like, next year he'll probably hit 40 home runs. The year after that, 49. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. But nice ball player was one of their most important players in the first half last year and was their most important player in a different way in the second half because he was dreadful. So keep him. Uh, I would like to add a left fielder. It seems like they're probably not going to do that. We, we talk about Jurix and Profar for a little bit. But the Profar story is short. It's just John Hammond saying they're interested, but they don't want to go over the Cohen tax. And that's $3 million. They're away from the tax, $3 million away. And Profar is going to be, what, $7 million, $8 million at least? Like at Adam all money. So that's not going to happen. Unless you can get rid of Aaron Hicks and Josh Donaldson and eat part of their money. How much money are they going to have to eat? pulling numbers out of thin air you just don't know but uh hicks is owed 30.5 million dollars over the next three years not one but three donaldson's owed 29 million dollars so you want to go all right well what if the Yankees eat half of that the easy 15 of hicks's million and you know 14 of donaldson's money i mean that seems fine seems like a fine amount of money to eat but the mets just got james mccann off their books by eating 19 million of the 23.4 million he was owed. So other teams looking around at Aaron Hicks, who, who produced almost nothing last year, are they really going to say, yeah, we'll be nice to you. How about you eat 40% or 50% or 55 while the Mets just ate James 80% of James McCann's deal to get him to Baltimore. Yankees might have to bite an uncomfortable bullet to get these guys off the roster, which wouldn't really help them all that much in getting to the Steve Cohen tax, which is why, Aaron Boone said today uh, over the weekend that Aaron Hicks, uh, there's there's untapped potential. But I think you'll probably see him out there in left field, and and there's still room to grow for that guy. How is there room to grow for that guy? And if there is room to grow for that guy, why is he not at extended spring training right now? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts 
to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I just, you just got me thinking. Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman can really, really make up for all of this if they actually ate, physically ate a portion of the money owed to both of these guys. Like the organization Physically eats. Physically ate? Like, yeah. The money and, and like the organization house. eats half of it, and then Hal and Cashman eat like $1,000 total mm-hmm. in singles. Uh, while rappelling down a building in San Francisco. <laughs> They have, to funnel, yeah, yeah. they have to funnel a bunch of quarters at the uh, Yankees holiday party. Um, <laughs> but, if yeah, let's get back to the moves here. If Michael Kay has to apologize to all these people on Twitter for leading us on to think a bigger move is going to happen, then all of you, all, uh, the rest of you on Twitter need to apologize for penciling in random people in the Yankees opening day lineup at left field. The amount of tweets that I've seen – Jerks and Yankees need jerks in Profar left field opening day or else what is this team going to do? The Yankees absolutely need Max Kepler. If the Yankees don't have Max Kepler opening day, how is this lineup going to survive? The Yankees absolutely need Brian Reynolds. You trade whatever it takes to get Brian Reynolds. It, once again, you don't need all-stars at every position. I'll say it every podcast. Secondly, there is a clear limitation here. The Yankees don't want to exceed the final luxury tax threshold. And <clears throat> I will finally not blame them because you don't need a $300 million payroll to be a good team. And left field is not a position of priority, especially when you have three on the roster at this very moment. Am I excited about any of them? No, but you can make do in the meantime, assess the trade deadline as, as the months go on and figure it out. You don't, you don't completely throw caution to the wind and just figure it out right before opening day. You don't trade half the farm for Brian Reynolds when when the Pirates are asking for the largest return they could possibly get because they feel like they've been taken advantage of in previous dealings and now because the one franchise-esque guy that they've had in quite some time because he's panned out better than probably all of the guys over the last four to five years, wants out. So what are they going to do? They're going to ask for the biggest possible return for a man in his prime with three years of club control left. And Jerks and Profar needs to be in this lineup. Jerks and Profar needs to be in this lineup. I don't understand where anybody – first of all, Jerks and Profar is rep by Scott Boris, so the price is never going down. It never is. Mm-mm. You guys know how it works. And secondly, I understand. You looked at Profar's last season, and it was pretty good. He hit 243, nothing inspiring, but OPS 723, OPS plus 111. That was his best year. Career averages, he hits 238, which is right in line with his average that year. OPS is 708, which is below than what it was um, 
in 2022 and a career average of a 94 OPS plus. I don't know how this person needs to be in the lineup opening day. Would I take Jerks and Profar? Absolutely. Sure. Am I going to lobby for Jerks and Profar and protest on a college campus with a picket sign for Jerks and Profar? No. It's a nice luxury to have in a utility guy, but outside of being a utility guy, which the Yankees already have in Oswaldo Cabrera, his hitting profile does not help this team. The Yankees, once again, need a contact-heavy hitter. They need a guy who takes a lot of walks, which he actually did last year for a career-high 73 walks, but he was also surrounded by a ton of good hitters, which could translate in the Yankees lineup, yes. But again, this is not a necessity. This is a guy entering his age 30 season who just had a career year, which was fairly uninspiring, and he's not even a real left fielder. So what, what what is the need here? Max Kepler, again, another guy, very underwhelming. Had a, had had juice ball seasons. Everyone's laughing at the Yankees for Gleyber Torres having a juice ball year, for DJ LeMayu having a juice ball year. And we're not laughing at Max Kepler for having a juice ball year? Once again, we are not filling the gaps with random people who you just see pop up on social media. John Heyman, like you said, the Yankees are monitoring the market for Profar. Of course they are. It is their job to monitor the market. Maybe the price goes down. Maybe it gets down to $5 million a year, and then the Yankees can figure out to get rid of a $3 million salary and make room for him. That's what monitoring the market is. You sit there, you listen, you wait to see if the prices get down to a range that, you're, that, that you prefer, and then you see if it works. The Yankees have no rush to figure out the left field situation. However... Now that's going to have people thinking differently because Cashman's saying on MLB Network Radio that the, he essentially thinks and hopes Hicks will be the guy in left field because they think the version of Hicks that – what is this version of Hicks that they, that they envision, the, the, the one good year that he had that convinced – excuse me, dealing with some coughs here. I'm, I'm still not feeling well from last week. Sorry, oh, guys. That's fine. Um, they're envisioning the 2018 season that he had the career year where he played in a career high 137 games and hit 248 with an 833 OPS and 127 OPS plus that never happened again. That still remains his career high for games played since debuting in 2013. He's been in the league for 10 years. He's never played in more than 137 games. Last year was his first that last year was uh, the second time he eclipsed 130 games, and it was his worst hitting season out of any season that he's played in 97 or more games. Now he's entering his age 33 campaign, and he couldn't be less inspired. You have his body language from last year, which everybody saw. You have that Rays game where he gave up on that ball and then got booed off the field, and then Aaron Boone literally couldn't play him in home games anymore until you know three weeks later when the – when the torches and pitchforks died down. Um, and then you have the comment when he said, if I'm a guy who's in the lineup, that's cool. If not, then it is what it is. And this was the same guy who in the off season said the Yankees were going to have some fuck you in 2022. Yeah, that and, was they great. and they certainly did not No. So I don't know. Look, and I'm not, am I fault? I'm faulting Cashman here because the PR tours are just bad because even when you have to be, even when you have to possess tact and not reveal the truth, like the truth here, more likely than not, is the Yankees are desperately trying to trade Aaron Hicks. That 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 is probably the truth. I think most people would agree with that. I think most people close to the Yankees would, if you put them on a lie detector test, 
they would have no choice but to say, yes, the Yankees are trying to trade Aaron Hicks. But for Brian Cashman to go on the PR tour and go the complete opposite direction and say, we're hoping Aaron Hicks can be the guy in left field after what we just witnessed last year and then injury shortened seasons in 2019 and 2021 and then a totally fine 20 short in 2020 is crazy. And it's going to get everybody more riled up. It's going to get all these weirdos penciling in left fielders that nobody cares about for opening day. And I just don't know why this has to continue. I don't know why we just can't have an even keeled approach and say, you know what? There's going to be a competition for left field. It's going to be great. We got three guys. We're going to see how it works in spring training. A lot of them have uh, plenty to prove as time goes on. And we also signed some other guys on minor league deals, and we're going to see how they fit into the picture. Why are we focusing on what, uh, unless somebody said, and even if somebody said, what do you think of Aaron Hicks for next year? For you to say that, for you to say, I think he's going to be the consistent left fielder. We always dreamed of him being, you acquired him in 2016. The dream is over. It's been seven years. It's done. It's over with. You paid him too much money. It sucks. You got to move on, but please do not market him as a potential starting left fielder unless you want fans to become more and more delusional as the days go on. And of all the people who have been penciled into starting lineups, like Kepler is the most frustrating. Like I think people, the worm has turned again and nobody's like, this team needs Kepler. But there was definitely a time and it was like, Bader, Judge, Kepler, run it back. Go get yourself number 28. It's like Kepler is not even a part of that. Kepler is not on the level. And you're right. Who did they break the bank for this offseason, right? Had to do it with Aaron Judge. Had to do it. Had to do it with Carlos Rodon. Necessary. Had to get Anthony Rizzo away from the clutches of the Houston Astros. They approached that final tax threshold by signing a bunch of people they had to have. And Carlos Rodon, who made the team better. Tommy Canley, you could call a luxury item, but I don't think the bullpen is complete. I think that was another smart move. So now they're at that final level. And without Brian Reynolds, there's no clear, obvious upgrade to use that money on. I'd rather have Carlos Rodon than Michael Brantley. I'd rather have Carlos Rodon than Dalton Varsho trading Oswald Peraza to get him or Jason Dominguez or Glaber Torres and Spencer Jones. I would rather have, uh, you know, any, I would rather have all the people Yankees signed than anybody they passed up on. That's not the problem. The problem is that now somehow we're going to end up relying on Aaron Hicks. Like this should have been solved a long time ago and it, it wasn't. So now we're going to be switching Aaron Hicks and Oswald and Cabrera back and forth. Bunch of, that's why you, you got to build a team piece by piece, bunch of underwhelming options in a row this off season, all of whom people were trying to pencil into the, the lineup and, and all of whom people were trying to spend the, the team's limited finances on in limited prospect capital. You just, you, you can't always patch up these holes. Uh, ben intent five years of Andrew Benintendi. Are we sure? Are we absolutely sure that we we want to do five years and seventy five million of Andrew Benintendi with prospects coming up the pipeline? I don't know. I, I'm still not sure. Um, but me being unsure <clears throat> doesn't change the fact that there's no left fielder on this team. So it is what it is. Uh, let's talk about positives briefly. Let's talk about Michael King, who has been rehabbing all offseason long and reportedly is going to be ready for spring training and, and opening day. We've heard this, but we don't believe it because we watched him walk off the mound, cradling his elbow in significant pain with a fracture. Um, and it looked like Tommy John. It looked like Tommy John and worse. And we also just lived through Zach Britton with the uh, sticky gummy tape, fake Tommy John, which did absolutely nothing. So it was like, 
all right, you want to tell me about alternate methods to healing a cracked elbow? I don't really want to hear it because I just watched a guy try to do it and it didn't work. All reports are as of this Monday, January 23rd, that King is still en route to being ready for that date. He still believes he's going to come out on the other side fully healthy, which is crazy. And the athletic, Brandon Cuddy, newly of the athletic, did a great deep dive uh, today on King's injury. And there's a chunk of the article that insinuated, I'll, I'll just read it out. Uh, the surgeon, uh, King said that the surgeon who treated him, uh, all check, Dr. All check, told him if he had informed the Yankees of his pain the very moment he felt it in June, tests almost definitely would have revealed that he had a stress fracture. The surgery and its six to eight month recovery timetable would have been the same as what it was after it blew out, and he would have missed the rest of the regular season regardless. By pitching through the pain, King more than likely earned himself a few more bucks through the salary arbitration system. Nice which rewards pitchers for things like appearances and a low ERA. And he helped hold up a beleaguered Yankees bullpen for as long as he could. So for those of you watching King during that period of time, kind of felt like he might've been running on fumes a little bit. Sometimes the fastball wasn't where it had been in April and May. Uh, He valiantly pitched out of the extra innings debacle against the Astros in June in that series where they uh, got no hit by Christian Javier, joined the club, said the Phillies. He wasn't quite himself, but he was still doing Michael King things from time to time before he lost it entirely and before his arm finally gave way. And no, no need to blame a Chapman who we've all blamed for many things, but he's not the one responsible for Michael King getting hurt. Turns out would have been lost for the season, no matter when his elbow had finally given out because when he was feeling his first pain, he was already experiencing this injury and he gutted it out for another month just to help the Yankees out and and give them length and give them as much as he possibly could. Wouldn't have been available for the playoffs either way, but did his damnedest to do as much as he possibly could for the 2022 Yankees. That's a gamer, and all the news we're getting on him is good news. That's great. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. saw some chatter on Twitter um, after the Montas injury news. Uh, Montas is out probably for the first month of this month of the season. He's throwing now, though, so very weird how this is all transpiring. Nonetheless, there were some people suggesting Michael King should be the fifth starter in that time um, that Montas is out, and that is the craziest thing I've ever heard um, for two reasons. One is because – He's coming off a fractured elbow. I don't know on what planet where you're adding more to somebody's workload coming off of a fractured elbow, that's going to positively help the rehab of the injury when King is not used to a starter's workload. Um, and even if he was we're used to a starter's workload, he wouldn't, he probably wouldn't be a full go that early in the season. 
because he's a reliever, you have to think that there's probably uh, an easier path for him. Usually reliever, uh, Tommy John for relievers is a little bit less aggressive for starters because of, <clears throat> because of the, uh, the amount of innings on their arm. It's not, it, it, it also varies. So that that's not the truest every single time, but to have King ready for opening day after a fractured elbow, something of that sort is great news. And you shouldn't be overexerting him at that point. Um, and then secondly, Michael King as a starter is bad. We've mm-hmm. seen it before. The reason that it's taken so long for Michael King to be Michael King in this high leverage version of himself is because the Yankees were using him in a dual manner as a starter and a reliever. As a reliever, he was 0-5 with a 6.52 ERA, 1.66 whip, and 36 strikeouts in 10 starts. That's And it was only 38 and two-thirds innings. Michael King in a relief role, 9-4 with a 2.85 ERA, 1.06 whip, and 119 strikeouts in 104 and one-third innings. There is a clear difference there. You do not start Michael King at this point. Michael King is no longer a starter. Michael King's best work comes in the seventh and eighth inning per his splits. Um, you you want to see him in the ninth inning. I think that he has the capability of taking over in the ninth inning as well. I don't know what the Yankees plan is. The bullpen is still a little bit up in the air. Um, as Benji on the chat says, we need another reliever. Um, I'd probably agree with that. What about signing Michael Walker for cheap? I'd probably agree with that too, but Michael Walker is going to be more expensive than $3 million. That's going to push the Yankees over the tax. The Yankees got to figure something out. The longer the trade market takes to materialize, the fewer answers the Yankees are going to have because they need the trade market to materialize to potentially get rid of one or two of these salaries in Donaldson or Hicks or whoever else. Um, and at that point, they're not going to be able to add anybody until that happens. So I agree with both. And even on that front, if you need a reliever right now, right, you still need a reliever right now. I think we'd all agree upon that. Then moving Michael King into the rotation leaves you with needing two relievers in a season where you can't really afford to tax the bullpen because we saw what happened the last two years when you tax the bullpen. Wandy Peralta broke down a little bit. Clay Holmes kind of fell off the face of the earth. Roldis Chapman had the worst two seasons of his career. Uh, I don't know. I'm probably missing a, a one or two people in there, but Chad Green got injured. He was he, the, the amount of usage he endured over the last two, three years was insane. So the last thing the Yankees need to do is move one of their best high leverage relievers into a starter's role just because he's previously profiled as a starter or just because he's previously absorbed starts or was in the rotation for a time. He's not a starter. He's not good as a starter. We don't want him as a starter. And it's funny because he literally cannot be the first guy on the mound for the Yankees. That one, the best outing of his career was the six inning showing against the Blue Jays. What was it? Six. He gave up like one hit in six innings. It was like the most efficient six innings you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Triple stadium. Yeah, and he came on after three innings of somebody else. Yeah, I, for there was an opener, or it was like Davey Garcia or something. Mm-hmm. And it, it like he just he cannot be the first guy on the mound. I don't know what it is, but the Yankees have to read into that and take it seriously. Michael King's a high leverage reliever. He is no longer a starter. I hope that that's clear with everybody, including everybody that works for the Yankees. Yeah, sure hope so. Um, golly. Um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. The, 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 the reliever, uh, whole situation has not been figured out yet. Uh, Steven Riding's not walking through that door. Um, we love him. We, we love to love him, but he is a New York Met now. Um, Michael King, the, the loss of Michael King 
is potentially the biggest reason to be more optimistic about this Yankee team than the way last year ended, honestly, because <clears throat> look at the guys you were relying on at the end of the year. Wandy Peralta was great, but he was your lockdown closer. Clay Holmes was not an, not an all-star anymore at the end of uh, that regular nope. season. He, he wasn't only – not only was he not the best closer in baseball, but he was not an all-star in any capacity. Um, his One in every three Clay Holmes outings was dreadful. I don't know how he got through the playoffs without a meltdown. Pretty cool that he did. But this team – you, you look at uh, the, the people who tell you the Yankees are running it back. I get the frustration, but I don't think Oswald Peraza next year is going to look anything like Oswald Peraza did last year when he played six games and then was thrust into action in the playoffs. Isaiah Kinder-Falefa shouldn't be playing as much. Josh Donaldson probably won't be playing as much. DJ LeMahieu should be playing more. Who knows if he makes it all the way to October, but that's a difference. Harrison Bader was only on the Yankees last year for like three weeks. Let's see what we get with a full season of Harrison Bader. And Michael King. The bullpen is going to look completely different if Michael King and Ron Marinaccio are healthy and ready and pitch full seasons and get to October. They're able to be uh, – Michael King might be your closer. He's your best reliever. So we'll see what happens there. But no Zach Britton and no Aroldis Chapman, who's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. We haven't done a Holy podcast shit. left. Uh, he went to the Kansas City Royals last week, which is we the do funniest. not podcast about this. One of the top – four funniest possible locations for him right it just nothing could matter less doesn't matter at all Roldis Chapman comes in to close a 4-3 game at Yankee Stadium with the Royals in May best of fucking luck dude not a Red Sox not an Astro not a Blue Jay not a Ray not a Guardian not an Angel even I guess not a Mariner they're like I I wouldn't be worried about a Roldis Chapman going anywhere no, I'm, I'm I'm on record about that. If a Roldis Chapman ends the Yankee season with a save, then I don't know, burn my foot off in, in a kitchen accident. But <laughs> I'm not worried about him going anywhere. But just like when the rumors were floating about Gary Sanchez going to the Red Sox, I was just like, I'd rather not see it. I'd rather I'd rather he not be on a contender. I'd rather not see him when it like. Dodgers of Padres is one thing. Keep him out of the AL East. I just don't want to look at him 10 times a year. Now, I, as a Yankee fan, I fully know I probably wouldn't have to. He's not going to – I don't think he's going to make it healthy to the end of the year with whatever team he joins, ultimately the Royals. I don't think he's going to perform well enough for them to guarantee him reps through the end of the year. I think they think they can trade him. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're going to dangle a roll to Chapman at the deadline, which they definitely are, like – What do you want? A number 29 prospect? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sure some team is going to say, Hey, yeah, we'll take a roll of Chapman for less than $2 million, but um, we don't want to give you anything. We'll just take the money off your hands. Uh, on, the Royals who have the 27th ranked bullpen and are famously bad, like in recent years, famously bad at developing pitchers. Yeah. think they're going to add a roll of Chapman and there's going to be positive results when the Yankees who, have been famously good at developing no-name relievers into high-leverage pitchers or even all-stars, could not figure out anything with the role of Chapman over the last two years-ish. He had that great first half, and, well, he had that great first, what, April, May, and then the first two weeks of June in 2021, and then it was absolute mayhem from June 15th until the end of the season. So I don't know what the Royals are thinking, man. If we know any Royals people in the chat, uh, please let me know. I know most of you are not doing well because they're uh, 
so many people are upset with how they've conducted business this offseason. Zach Grinke wants to return, and they don't want to sign him unless it's like a performance-based deal. Like, absolute, absolute craziness in what's going on there. Um, speaking of losers, <laughs> moving on. Um, more losers, the Guardians and the Blue Jays. Oh, man. Um, I wrote about both of these things, and I hate writing about these things because then, you know, the, the rent-free people come for me, and they're like, oh, man. That's the thing. The rent-free people, like, you, you, just, you can't live your life thinking about these rent-free people on Twitter, but, and yet I still do. But it, 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 this is how it goes. We need a Freakonomics episode on rent-free and yeah. what it means. The rent-free because... crisis in, in Joe Biden's 2023 <laughs> economy. Like, people are saying stuff, you write about it or talk about it, and then suddenly they're living rent-free in your existence. Then why'd you say it? Why'd you say it? <laughs> it's, it's too good. But any <laughs> people are so stupid. Oh, God. The Guardians at guard. Well, first we'll start with what happened first. Vladdy over the weekend, or it was Friday, I think. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was at the Blue Jays Winter Fest, the Fan Fest, whatever it is. And some little girl, they had a room of kids, young fans, came up to the mic and said, "Who?" Funny question from a little kid, but she asked it nonetheless. Who is the easiest team to play in 2022? There was a long beat. All the Blue Jays on this panel on stage. Nobody really wanted to answer it. And then Vladdy raised his hand. They passed the mic down to him, and he said, "The Yankees." hilarious of course he was going to say that it got a rise out of the kids they all erupted they were clapping jumping up and down throwing their fisher price toys very telling thing. very telling that it was an audience of children though like of course <laughs> that comment was delivered to an audience of literal children because it's like oh i know what these dumb kids will eat up <laughs> he's saying the yankees was the easiest game of the year despite evidence to the contrary like no kid was like um, follow up. It looks like you actually went eight and eleven with a negative run differential against the Yankees. Care to comment? If that was the easiest, then it doesn't seem like it was that easy. I'm just asking. Like there was no follow up from the children. So yeah, get better at your follow ups, kids. I mean, what what are we teaching them in school now? That was clearly Vladdy being a troll, and he's been a troll for a while. You had him celebrating that May victory to avoid the sweep against the Yankees like a maniac and we're not ones to discourage celebration, but there's a time and a place pumping his fist, running around the infield. You avoided a sweep against the Yankees in May. That is not the time to celebrate. I guess do it if you want. Then you have the September series where the Yankees went to Toronto for a three game set. They needed to win one game, one to clinch the division. Mm -hmm. They went into extras with the Jays. I think, I think it was the 10th inning in the first game. Vladdy hits a walk-off single, the Blue Jays win, and he's running around the infield claiming this – well, it is his house, I guess. Not it's my house. house. It always will be his house. but Not happening in my house, running around the field doing this, like all this shit. And then they, the Yankees have two more tries to do it. And not only do they do it the next night and clinch and celebrate in the Blue Jays' locker room on the Blue Jays' turf, then the next night the Yankees go out with a hangover lineup because everybody got shit-faced the night before. Anthony Rizzo's managing the fucking game. And Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge hits the go-ahead home run for number 60. So not only did they clinch on the Blue Jays' home field, they won the series with a bunch of backups, and Aaron Judge made American League or made uh, joined baseball history in the next two nights. Then you have the offseason where he was talking to uh, – 
so he was talking to a Dominican publication. I forgot what it was. He said he wouldn't play for the Yankees even if he was dead and that the Yankees are afraid of them. Again, you went 8-11. and 11. They, they have a losing record against the, the Yankees since Vladdy debuted. And now you have this, and I don't understand it. I get that. Look, Yankee fans, I think. Mm-hmm. I think Yankee fans welcome trash talk. I really think they do. Sure. I do. I have fun with trash talk, respectable trash talk, when an opponent has the upper hand or when they have a reason to talk shit, then we talk it right back. And then it's a fun thing. This, you can't even, I, you can't even do anything with this. It's just mm-hmm. like, what are, what are you talking about? What are you doing? I don't mm-hmm. understand where this is coming from or what anybody did to you or how this is, where, what has prompted this? Why do you <clears> think this is funny? Also, who thinks this is funny? I mean, obviously, we know who thinks this. Anybody who hates the Yankees thinks this is hilarious. And the, the children, the toddlers, the, the little boys. And then you have the Guardians, which I thought Josh Naylor articulated it perfectly. At Guards Fest, again, don't know why we're talking about this still. We're talking about the Rock the Baby thing. He's calling mm-hmm. Garrett Cole his son. ALDS game four, you all remember it. Uh, Naylor hit a home run. They were down 3-1. He had a solo home run, cut it to 3-2, uh, celebrating like a maniac. Um, then the Yankees... Yankee Stadium put him to shame in game five. Yankees won the series, whatever. Yankees won the series. Don't whatever that. The series ended with two Yankee wins. Josh Naylor celebrated in the fourth inning uh, or whatever of game four, a game that they were losing and a game that they never led in. And then game five came back to Yankee Stadium in what should have been the easiest opportunity for a road team game five upset ever. The game was delayed and postponed. Yankee fans were angry. First pitch was like 5 p.m. on a Tuesday. And you still started uh, Aaron Savali, who gave up a three and home run in the first inning, and you lost. And then so that's over. They rocked the baby on you, and, that, and that's over. But apparently, apparently not over. Apparently, Tristan McKenzie's kind of pissed off about it. Naylor did a great job articulating it, I thought. Um, said it wasn't personal, said he was doing it all year, said that in that moment against the Yankees, he wanted to pump up his boys, get them amped to keep the momentum going. Because if they beat, complimented the Yankees a bunch, said this is a powerhouse team. They have all these stars on this team. We were young, up-and-coming squad, didn't, you know, arguably shouldn't have really been there. If we beat the Yankees in this game, we win the series in front of our home crowd, and this is like the coolest shit ever. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like, I get it now. In the moment, I was pissed. I was celebration. I was like, where is this coming from? This makes no sense. Now you explain it. It's cool. And then Tristan McKenzie comes in and he says, I don't care what anybody thinks. If the Yankees are still this upset about it, which they're not, it's the Cleveland media asking you a question about it for whatever reason. They're talking about people taking something out of context three months ago, four months ago at this point. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that if we, if we're living rent free in their heads like that, I can't wait to face him next year. So now this thing's not dead. And I wanted it to be dead because it was one celebration. The Yankees ended it by winning the series. There was nothing. It's, it's like with you and Duke and UNC Duke can't say anything forever anymore. Sorry. No. It's not quite the same situation with the Yankees and the guardians, but the Yankees typically handle Cleveland in the playoffs. They've done it historically. So like, I don't know why we're continuing this, but now, now somebody has to rock the baby on Tristan McKenzie in that first series against Cleveland, mm-hmm. it's April 10th to 12th or something. If they homer off him and that's just what has to happen. And now this is going to go on all year. Tristan McKenzie, I believe grew up a Yankee fan. Grew up a Yankee fan. 
Yeah, like he's always been a guy who like, you know, Yankee fans have that weird radar throughout the league of like, yeah. just na- we, we talked about it earlier, like just, just naming guys future Yankees and like usually doesn't happen. And like Bryce Harper would have been a great one. Didn't happen. But sometimes it's more rational than others. Like Bryce Harper made all the sense in the world. He was also available and wanted to talk to the Yankees and the Yankees said no. So that's on the Yankees. But he was someone who was like, my hero is Mickey Mantle. I want to play in Monument Park in front of the bright lights. And the Yankees were like, we don't want you to do that. That one made sense for fans to have pinpointed as future Yankee. Tristan McKenzie also makes sense. Max Kepler doesn't make sense. Tristan McKenzie makes sense here, and yet he's still the one saying we're living rent-free in your head. Yeah, the Rock the Baby was dead and is no longer dead. How'd that happen? We got to Rock the Baby next year, I guess. At the very least, you know, I, I thought the Josh Naylor celebration was obnoxious. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't cross a line so much as it did make me go like, what are you doing? The du- what, a, what are you doing? And B, the double standard. If any Yankee had done this down in a game where you could have theoretically clinched a series at home, but you're currently losing, they would have been roasted to hell. Um, oh my and God. I, think, I think Naylor got some of what he deserved in the aftermath. And yeah. I also think he was a good sport and laughed it off and was like, yep, you know, I was trying to pump up my guys, but uh, we lost two games in a row. What are you going to do? We're out of the playoffs now. Um, and I think Labor Torres is also a very appropriate way to end that series. He catches the final out. He does the rock the baby. But it, so it's not entirely like the Duke UNC right now. It is yeah. Cleveland. Has, Cle- the, the difference is Cleveland has a chance to change this. The Guardians beat the Yankees this year and go on to win the World Series in a, in a postseason run. Then yeah, then they own the maneuver. But as of now, they don't. And also Duke, there's nothing Duke can do because I don't think. It's highly unlikely there's You're a dead, Duke. final four again. Uh, if there is, it won't be under Coach K, and Coach K is the doors closed on that era. So um, as the Knicks prepare to trade for Grayson Allen, I'm going to take one last W in my own column before I have to shiver through the evening and, and try to get some sleep. Uh, before we sign off, let's talk a little bit about the kids, the top prospects, because baseball America's top 100 Ooh. came out last week, which is sort of the gold standard in the industry. And baseball prospectuses list, which we usually wouldn't talk about or equate with BAs, came out and had a very important little uh, appearance at number 57. So worth mentioning. The Baseball America list had Anthony Volpe at number seven. Nice. You know, you could have seen an unfair dip there, right? Because he was good, not great this year, uh, coming down off a transcendent minor league season. So if somebody wanted to be a dick, they could be like, Volpe's my 21. He's a Yankee. And so people are equating him to Jeter, but he's no Jeter. And Jeter was no Jeter. Jeter's defense was overrated. Like, you could have seen that happening. And they decided not to, so that's cool. Uh, they also included four more Yankees. Unfortunately, they're a little lower than you want. But you got, like, Dominguez Peraza in the 60s. Uh, Everson Pereira's in there. Austin Wells is in there. Five in the top 100, not bad, for a team that has a lot of talent at the Major League roster already. They already went through a, a farm system graduation between 16, 17, 18, and 19. So to still have that many names in the top 100 for a team that's an annual contender with 100-ish wins the last couple, 99 wins last year, like roster this good, farm system that good. I'm not going to quibble with the fact that I think Jason Dominguez deserves to be in the 50s or 40s. It's their opinion. And, you know, he, he was genuinely – rough for long stretches last year he ultimately evened out to be a 270 hitter with a 380 obp and a great in-game power better bp power and so if you really want to tell me dominguez is in your 60s and he's in my late 40s then okay i'm not going to argue there uh but encouraging to see all those names 
BA also had 2022 first rounder Spencer Jones in their list of 10 prospects who could make the leap into the top 100 this year. After 93 at-bats in his pro career, 25 games, they were very impressive, but to see Baseball America be that high on him after that little data has been assembled is huge. And Baseball Prospectus was even higher on him. He ranked 57th on their top 101 with almost nothing banked. Presumably all off the data, the batted ball data. Uh, He had a home run at 111.3 miles per hour exit velocity last year. And I think a lot of people, obviously he was an exit velocity monster in college with the metal bats. Uh, struck out a good deal because he's a six-seven left-handed hitting outfielder. I think people are being careful with him because they're like, he seems to have all the talent in the world. He's hitting like Aaron Judge, but that's not possible because nobody hits like Aaron Judge. There's only one Aaron Judge. How could there be two Aaron Judges? How could they both be on the Yankees? But Spencer Jones uh, mashed in that limited time last year. Uh, four homers, 12 RBI, 12 stolen bases in 93 at-bats. 344 average, 425 OBP, 963 OPS. And he cut his K rate uh, from like 23.5% in college to 18% in that tiny sample size last year. Not enough for me to be like, he's the top 100 prospect, but clearly Baseball America almost ready to make that leap. And Baseball's prospectus was like, who who's going to stop us? Like, we're just going to do it right now. He's not only in our top 101, but he ranks higher than Jason Dominguez. So worth keeping an eye on worth getting excited about don't start penciling him in to the left field spot but that's another reason him and Dominguez it's another reason and Pereira who's top 100 and Austin Wells whose position we don't know these are all reasons why you don't sign Andrew Benintendi to that deal and then worry about regretting it not just four or five years down the line but maybe even two maybe even sooner I am looking at and I only have one comment here because I don't care about the prospect rankings. This stuff doesn't get me riled up. I care. I care. I mean, I care a little bit when there's an obvious bias, like, like Volpe drop. Like, I don't care about Volpe dropping, but I'm just like, really, dude? Like, what didn't he do for you last year? He batted 249, and in an age where nobody gives a shit about batting average, now that matters because you're doing your little prospect rankings and you saw somebody had, you know, a 20 points higher and that, that was the difference maker. I don't know. I'm looking at Spencer Jones and call me bullish, but can this be a Kyle Schwarber situation? Kyle Schwarber was drafted in 2014 by the Cubs played in 150 something minor league games, debuted in 2015 played in 69 major league games that year. Is that out of the question after what we saw from him? First of all, the Yankees drafted him seemingly with high expectations because he was over, you know, there was the concern with the oversize. Where is he going to play? He used to pitch um, and all this other stuff. And now you're looking at him and it's like, okay, but it's like an Austin Wells situation. It's like the bat could accelerate. The bat could be major league ready in a year or two. Okay, great. That's all you need. We have DH spots all over the place. You could play the guy at DH. You could sprinkle him into the outfield here and there if you want getting guys early exposure to the major league, um, you know, the major league scene always helps. I don't think it's crazy after these evaluations of Spencer Jones that we see him up maybe later this year. I really don't think it's that crazy. If the Yankees need, if none of Hicks, if they, if Hicks doesn't work out and Florial don't work out, I think both, I, I think those scenarios are likely, right? 
I think if the Yankees don't prefer to use Oswaldo Cabrera in the outfield, and I think that if the trade market is still tough, I think Ian Happ should and will be their guy, but we don't know what the Cubs are going to do. But if the Cubs are somehow performing well, they're not going to trade Ian Happ. Um, then we could be looking at a situation where a guy like Spencer Jones is elevated. And that could be – and that that would be a Schwarber-esque timeline. He was drafted last year. He's debuting the next year. I also think there's a possibility with Austin Wells, which you wrote about recently. Um, but Spencer Jones is interesting because – that th- those at bats were very few, but they were wildly impressive. And now he's getting recognition from larger publications, which, you know, means a decent amount. Does it, does it write your future? No, but it helps. He's on the map. People are talking about him. I don't think this is out of the question. I would, I would look at this comp for the remainder of the year. And maybe he's an impact player for the Yankees down the stretch. One would hope one would hope. Um, yeah. I, I guess where does he start the season? He probably goes back. To high A, because I don't think you rush him to double like A, especially 15 games at high A. Yeah, Dominguez is going to need the full season of double A anyway. Yeah. But uh, keep your eyes peeled. He's, he's coming. And and uh, it's not even, you know, this is not a clash of the Titans and a huge disagreement over whether you should believe in him or not. B.A. saying, uh, oh, he's something like he's in the top 110. And baseball perspective saying he's 57. They both agree you need to keep your eyes on him. B.A. is just being a little more cautious because they're like, it's only been 93 at bats. Yeah. And I'm also being cautious because it's only been 93 at-bats, but wildly impressive so far. That is it for this edition. It's return to live broadcasting for the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. Give it to us in that review. Find us on all podcast platforms or find us live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time, live on the Yanks Go Yard feed. We'll also be tweeting out every link. Some of you found us on Twitter. They gave us a little bit of like wow. action. Wow. Uh, you hit the heart button. Uh, not a hard button to hit. We really appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, make sure to drop by in the comments. Have a conversation with us. We're happy to have one with you. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. We are also on YanksGoYard.com. Our bylines are there. We have content, believe it or not. I know it's boring. I know there's not much going on, but we are figuring out ways to keep you reading, keep you engaged, and keep you commenting. So keep it coming. That's all I want. I want you to got. I want you guys to keep coming back, and let's have some fun because this off is about to be pretty boring for the next month. Until then, we'll see you on Thursday. Have at it. Have at it, folks. See ya. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.